Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. We have a great show in store for you today, so we encourage you to download the show notes and follow along. My name is Amber Jordan, and I am here with Dr. Michael David Morales, a.k.a. Mo. Hey, what's going on, Amber? It's good to be here as always. So let's talk leadership. All right. Well, Mo, I don't mean to be Debbie Downer, but I'm going <laughs> to kick us off today with what might be a pretty unpopular opinion. All right. See, I'm not a big fan of the Marvel movies. And I know, I know a lot of people, I know a lot of people out there are really into them. My family loves them, watches them all the time. They run out to see the next one. And I just, I'm just not a fan, except for one scene from one Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Homecoming. I remember the first time I was begrudgingly watching the movie and it, it <laughs> came to this particular scene where one line just, it just hit me. You know how that happens where it's just like the words just jump off the screen at you. Absolutely. And so so Tony Stark, Iron Man, recruits Peter Parker, Spider-Man, and makes him the Spider-Man suit and sort of takes him under his wing to train him. But Peter is so desperate to be a hero and prove that he deserves to be part of the Avengers that he lets his strength and abilities and ambition just get him into trouble. He ignores Stark's explicit instructions to not get involved with like big crime situations, you know, just kind of stick to being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And <laughs> he goes after a particularly dangerous villain. And when Stark confronts Peter, Peter doesn't understand the weight of his choices. It, like his actions and his ego put himself and others at risk. So naturally, Stark wants the suit back. But, All right. you know, but Peter, like he begins to plead with him and he's like, please, you don't understand. This is all I have. I am nothing without the suit. And, and here it is. Stark looks at him mm. straight in the eye and says, if you are nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. And Peter was so focused on like what gave him strength that he didn't even realize his dependence on it was actually his weakness. And that's what's going to bring right. us to our topic today, that leaders know their weaknesses. And Mo, I know you've always encouraged our listeners to know their strengths. So why don't you help us understand today why it's so important for us to also know our weaknesses? <laughs> yeah, wow. Th thanks for that uh, opening story. And, you know, talk about getting deep right right away, right? I mean, we just we just hit our audience right right away. So um, you have set the expectation. And, you know, I think, you know, a lot of us as leaders, we get caught up in thinking about the wrong things. And I think weaknesses fall into that category of, well, you know, I don't really want to deal with them. So I'm just I'm not even going to to mess with them. But I think that we really need to know our weaknesses, not that we need to focus on them in particular, but we do need to know them. And so uh, here's our first point for today. You know, leaders, we need to focus on self-awareness and growth. See, the first reason it's important for leaders to know their weaknesses is self-awareness. Leaders who 
possessed self-awareness have a, a deeper understanding of their strengths and their weaknesses. And this awareness allows them to play to their strengths, but also mitigate their weaknesses. And that ensures a well-rounded leadership approach. And so speaking of movies, <laughs> in, in The Pursuit of Happiness, Chris Gardner, who's played by Will Smith, realizes his weakness is not having a college degree. And this ends up limiting his career prospects. But despite this, Chris doesn't let this weakness define him. And that's what's important. Instead, he embarks on a journey of self-improvement and he pursues knowledge and he starts to hone his skills. And through this self-awareness, he harnesses his strengths as a hard worker. Uh, He's he's, uh, got determination. He's a problem solver. He's got a lot of abilities to overcome his weakness and achieve success. And so for our listeners out there, my first question is this. Are you aware of the stuff that you don't know? John Maxwell says in 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, he says that leaders get stuck in the predicament that he calls, you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) And as he talks about this in the law of the process, the the problem is, well, sometimes, Amber, we just don't know. So I guess it's it's a catch-22 because if I don't know what I need to be working on, then then how can I work on it? (laughs) And so the, the answer is simple. You have to look to others to help you define these things that you're not very good at. And this is definitely one of the most humbling parts of being a leader. And leaders, if you're not feeling humble and dealing with humility out there, start here. Because if you don't ask people what you're doing wrong, then you might start believing your own press. And believe me, you do not want to start believing your own press. Because that's what happens with a lot of politicians, for example. They get to a point where they, they're high, up, high enough up where... They don't they don't surround themselves with people who who they want to tell them what they're not good at. It's just a bunch of yes men and yes women. And so all of a sudden they don't think they're doing anything wrong. And this is a recipe for disaster, whether it's in politics or at your work or in your house. You know, we want to do the opposite of that as leaders. We want to surround ourselves with people who we can trust to ask us the hard questions like, hey, what is it that I don't know about myself that I need to know? And and, and I know that's very, very Socratic, <laughs> but it's important to have that in our lives. Yeah, I, you know, it's so true that it really is the most humbling and I think vulnerable parts of being a leader, like opening yourself up to that kind of critique. It's like watching game film, like with your coach and having things pointed out (laughs) to you that you like never knew you were doing. Right. Except, you know, except for in leadership, it's like with everything that you do and say with people, which is like, yikes, right? (laughs) Like it's everything you do. And so, you know, as a former listener of her own press, I admit, (laughs) it, it was quite a journey that you and I went on for me to even start to want to hear the tough stuff. And I think even longer before I began to be a little unsatisfied or even a little suspicious when I only heard good press. <laughs> yeah, well, well, don't don't beat yourself up because uh, any leader who is honest with herself, right, is going to come to the same conclusion that you did. I know that I did. And you and I have those. Co- In fact, right before we started the podcast, we were talking about how uh, my mentors and coaches in my life had been telling me for years, over 30 years, the things that I need to get better at. 
And so it's natural for us to want to focus on all the good stuff and stay away from thinking about anything negative um, and, and think, wow, I'm so wonderful at this leadership thing. So Amber, kudos to you. Uh, and you continue to grow in your journey, as I hope that I do. And I hope all of our leaders out there do too, as well. But that's why it's so important to keep a healthy perspective, right? It really comes down to a self-awareness problem that a lot of people have. In fact, if you've not already picked up this next book, make sure you click on the link in our show notes and grab a copy of Emotional Intelligence 2.0, and it will blow your mind. You see, essentially in this book, it has a couple of main points if you want to break it all the way down. And the first one is to learn about self-awareness. And if you don't learn how to be self-aware by asking others what you need to get better at and you know uh, go through these exercises, then you can never get to that second and most important part of the process, which has to do a lot with dealing with people. And so the second point in emotional intelligence is that we need to become socially aware. And this means that you can essentially kind of stand outside of yourself and watch how you interact with other people in real time. And that's a tough thing to do if you're, if you're if, to be in a situation, but also outside of the picture frame as well. It's really hard. And so this is something that takes a while. How do you have a conversation with somebody and be able to view yourself and how others might be seeing you? It takes time, but it's not impossible. Man, Mo, I remember the first time I asked a few of my core leaders to observe me and critique me in a meeting to see if what I intended to say and how I intended to say it was actually how it came across to people. And I remember they just, they looked like deer in headlights. Like, is she really <laughs> asking what we think she's asking? And, but you know, hey, I figured I better ask them before Mo asks me how I thought it went. <laughs> and you knew I would. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, okay, so self-awareness and growth are key for us as leaders to know our weaknesses. But Mo, what, what's our second point for today? The second point is this, building strong teams. You see, the second reason leaders should know their weaknesses is so that they can build strong teams. A leader who understands his or her own limitations can assemble a team with diverse skill sets that complement their own weaknesses. And this diversity is going to end up promoting collaboration, innovation, better decision-making within the team as a whole. And so, okay, for, for all you foodies out there, this one's for you. <laughs> in, the Netflix, in the Netflix series, uh, Chef's Table, there's an episode that focuses on Massimo Batura who is an Italian chef and the owner of Osteria Francescana. Very cool restaurant. And doesn't it just, I mean, even saying that <laughs> restaurant just, make, just makes me hungry. But, um, but Batura's weaknesses became evident when his restaurant was awarded three Michelin stars. Now, what, is, what are three Michelin stars? It means that you are, quote, exceptional in cuisine that is worth a special journey, close quote. Mm. And still, he realized that he struggled even after this rating to keep the dining experience innovative and fresh. And so Batura knew that he needed a team that could challenge and push him beyond his own comfort zone. I mean, talk about humility. So, so he assembled a group of talented chefs with diverse culinary backgrounds. Each of them had different strengths and skills that complemented his own weaknesses. And his collaboration with them and the experimenting, 
led to changing ideas, creating uh, culinary masterpieces, and pushed the boundaries of traditional Italian cuisine. And so by recognizing his weakness and his weaknesses, and then building a strong team, Batura transformed his restaurant into one of the world's best, constantly evolving and delivering um, un- un- unforgettable dining experiences. So that collaboration and, and harnessing the collective strengths of a team can lead to extraordinary outcomes, not just in the culinary world, but in any industry, and for us, Amber, as leaders. But Mo, with all we know about collaboration and the power of harnessing the strengths of others, doesn't it still remain such a rare quality in leaders? Like, like, wouldn't you say that it's still one of the biggest areas that you are asked to help people with? Like, why is that? Yeah, I would say over the years that it's absolutely one of the biggest areas that leaders need to work on. And I think the reason for this is because who doesn't want to be known as the Lone Ranger who pulled himself up by his own bootstraps and made it all happen on his own? You know, there's something very American about doing it all by ourselves, right? You know, but what I'm saying is that when we figure out what our weaknesses are, we can humbly ask others to collaborate with us. I know that when I was on my own journey, uh, when when I was younger, I thought to myself, if anybody asked me if 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 I needed their help, then there was something wrong with me. That oh my gosh, Mo is not 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 this leader that we thought he was. But newsflash to me, they didn't think that, or else they wouldn't have been asking me if I needed their help. The reason they were asking me if I needed their help is obviously I was I was missing something. I was doing something wrong. I wasn't good at, it, at uh, everything. And I've learned over the years that I am, I'm good at, at some things, but I'm not good at everything. And so I have learned the best part of my leadership abilities is finding competent people that can complement my own weaknesses, which allows me to live in my strengths. So if I can live in my strengths and I can work with Amber, who works within her strengths, then now we have you know two sets of strengths, and then we say, okay, now there's other things that we don't do well. Let's go find those people. As you start to build that team of people with different strengths than you, then your weaknesses are going to start to fade to the background. And once you do that, you're going to unlock a new level of leadership in your own journey. And so, yes, Amber, that is a, a that's a great um, understanding of what we're talking about right now. Is that we need to, to have what you call that rare quality in a leader. Hmm. Okay. So then how then do we unlock it? Like what, what's the next step or um, the next action or, or, or thing that we need to really grasp onto as leaders to help unlock right. it, as you say? Yeah, that leads us to our third and final point for the day, Amber, which is this, adaptability and learning. You see, the third reason that leaders have to know their weaknesses is adaptability and continuous learning. By acknowledging our weaknesses, leaders, we create opportunities for growth and it enables us to adapt to changing circumstances. And we're going to end up staying ahead of the game and and, in a world that is changing all the time. And so in the movie Moneyball, right? Billy Bean, who's portrayed by Brad Pitt. Gosh, I love Moneyball. He recognizes (laughs) that his baseball team's weakness lies 
in their limited budget compared to other teams. I mean, they had no money compared to big teams like the Red Sox or the Yankees. And they thought, we've got to mitigate this problem because money is a big deal in, in building a big sports franchise, right? Well, instead of conforming to those traditional approaches, one, because he, he just didn't have the revenue. In fact, in the, in the movie, he goes into the owner and he says, I need more money. And the owner says, I, I don't have that kind of money. So Billy Bean's like, okay, what am I going to do? So he leverages his ability to embrace data-driven decision-making um, to find undervalued players, players that have the ability to be a part of, of his process and make his team better with what they have to work with. And so by acknowledging his weaknesses and adapting his strategies, Bean transforms the team's performance and then ends up challenging the status quo and changing it really um, to what we know baseball as we see it today. Yeah, such a good movie and and great point, Mo, because, you know, instead of making excuses that, that he couldn't have the team like others because he didn't have the resources that others have, which is you know, often the excuse, he, he switched it all up. And even in the face of much opposition really made it work. So if knowing one's weaknesses is crucial for self-improvement and team building and adaptability, how can leaders start to identify their weaknesses? Yeah. And I think Amber, that's the million dollar question, right? So leaders you know, if you're listening, you can start by seeking feedback from your peers, your mentors, team members. Trust me, if you ask people what you do, they already know what you do wrong. Because I know for you, if I say, hey, what does so-and-so do uh, right and wrong on your team? I'll bet you could tell me. <laughs> we, we all know what everybody else is doing wrong, but we all think we're doing it right. Well, why don't we just flip that script and say, I'm going to ask other people. Because once you ask people uh, what, what those things are that you can improve in Amber, it brings on self-reflection. Um, you can take a, a assessments um, and then ask people to look at those assessments. And then your, your performance evaluations from your superiors, for instance, on a yearly basis or whatever it is, that can also provide valuable insights. Just don't do those as an exercise. Really jump into it and use them to your advantage because it's essential to foster a culture that encourages open communication and constructive criticism. I'm talking about your open communication with your team and you being able to take constructive criticism because leaders, this is going to allow you to understand your weaknesses comprehensively. And then you're going to be able to tackle those weaknesses in, in a healthy way. And it's, it's going to make you better. And we all want our team members to take constructive criticism, but man, they're not going to unless we lead by example, right? Right. Absolutely. So, okay, Mo, thanks again for just, you know, the encouragement and also just for continuing to challenge us to grow in our leadership. So before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts for our leaders today? Yeah, I do. You know, I really want to leave our listeners with this. Embrace your weaknesses as opportunities for growth. Because when you recognize and address your weaknesses, leaders, you can unlock your full potential and create you know, impactful change on your organization and your community. And it's going to make you better. And it's going to make all of those around you better as well. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. 
Thank you everyone for listening to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next time as we continue on the leadership journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next time as we continue on the leadership journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. See you next time.